I've done it. I've created the perfect schedule template for all SWAC and MEAC football teams. Oh yeah, his Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics. Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And now, of course, Sam Darian Gray, a.k.a. the mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives right there you see it at the bottom of the screen but if you don't that means you're on the audio side of things how you doing don't forget the s on the end of south exclusives and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of the locked on podcast network visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to make every moment more. Joe Bryant was the only HBCU player invited to the Reese's All-Star Game that's going to be on Friday, is going to be tomorrow. Also, Tamika Reed has been offered, or excuse me, is in contention to be offered the Memphis job. If she were to leave Jackson State, this is a reaction you should pay a lot of attention to. But before we get into any of that, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have a really good time because I have done it. I have created a perfect, dare I say, perfect schedule template when it comes to football for both MEAC and SWAC schools. Now, I'm not going to get so specific to where I tell you Delaware State should schedule this team on this date at this time. I'm not going to tell you that Alabama A&M needs to make sure that week four they're scheduling this team. I'm not doing anything that specific. Just a tad bit broader. The MEAC and the SWAC are in different positions when it comes to how they schedule their football schedules, right? Well, I'm going to set them up. I'm going to tell you exactly what needs to happen. Where this comes from is Morgan State just dropped their football schedule, I think, two days ago. And people are eating it up. Eating it up should mean good things where you're from. I don't know anywhere where eating it up means bad, but I can see how it would. Here we're talking about eating it up. They're loving it. They're appreciating it. That's how we say it out here in Texas, at least, right? I saw Gerald break down what was so good about this schedule. I saw those things, and I said, you know what? I'm going to create the best schedule template I could. And I didn't even expect to be this nice. Let me know. Drop a comment into the DMs. You know where to DM me. Tweet me out. Let me know what you think. If I'd made anything you would have changed, let me know. But here it goes. Here it goes. For the MEAC, you're going to have five conference games. Non-debatable. You have to play them. Until the conference expands, that's how many you're going to get. And when they expand, then maybe we will tweak this. Well, we'll have to. But, but maybe we'll revisit this at that time. So after you have your non-negotiable five conference games, you have six left because you have to get to 11 football games, right? So I want two non-MEAC HBCU games. Could be North Carolina A&T, could be Hampton, 
could be FAMU, Bethune. I'm just throwing out the people who left the MEAC. Familiarity comes into play. You might want to revisit those games, but it's not limited to them. You can visit Tennessee State. You can play in Alabama State. You can play a PV. You can play any of these any of these teams. But for me, I would like you to play two non-MEAC HBCU games. You have room. Now, I understand that money games will likely come and play. Give me a South Carolina State versus Clemson. That's okay. I understand that you need to make your money as a smaller school, and that helps you with funding. I'll play the game. I know the business. Then give me a CAA game that isn't Hampton or North Carolina A&T. Because if it's one of those schools, that just goes into the non-MEAC HBCU category. I'm already talking about Hampton and North Carolina A&T when doing that. So you look at Morgan State, they had four CAA games this year. And then lastly, or excuse me, not lastly, because you still have two more games, a group of five game, and then give me either a rivalry game or another FCS out-of-conference game that is tough. I'm not putting any D2 games in here. HBCU or not, I'm not putting any D2 games in here. I'm sorry. I love my D2 schools, but for the purpose of creating my schedule, I am not going to be scheduling an Albany State. I'm not going to be scheduling a Benedict. I'm not going to be scheduling a Virginia Union. I'm naming some of the top teams so you know it's not about talent level. It's about something that I'll get to at the very end as I'm closing. So that's the MEAC. Five conference games, two non-MEAC HBCU games, a money game, a CAA game that doesn't include Hampton or North Carolina A&T. Give me a group of five games. Then give me a rivalry or another FCS matchup. And if your rivalry happens to be against a D2 team, I guess I would take it. That is my one exception in, when, in how a D2 team could get in there. Now, I look at the SWAC. I look at the SWAC and you have eight conference games. So you're only going to have three non-conference games. One of those needs to be a group of five team. One of those needs to be either a rivalry school or a high-ranking FCS opponent. So somebody who's been good in the last three years. And then if you need to have a money game, not every school is in a position where they feels like the, where they feel like they must play a money game. But if you are in that position, then play the money game. If you aren't are not in that position, then give me another high ranking FCS team. So what does this do? Why do I have these things set up the way that I do? Also, if you don't want to play the money game, you can play a MEAC school. That works, too. But you have to have a high-ranking FCS team, a respected FCS team of some sort. And a group of five would be perfect because you can win those games. I think that you can win those games as an HBCU against a group of five opponent. If we're looking at who the FBS opponents are that are susceptible to defeat when it comes to an Alabama state, give me somebody like Hawaii. Give me somebody who is not in a power five conference. It'll still go the same. It'll still make the, the taglines. It'll still make waves like you'll still feel the impact and it'll garner that respect. Now, one of the reasons I'm so against playing D2 talent is because I want to play in the playoffs if I have the chance. Of course, I've said this before, but I feel the need to give the disclaimer every time. The Celebration Bowl is the number one goal. Because it means I won my conference. I will never try to lose my conference just to go play in the playoffs. To me, that's stupid. I'll never do that. So, of course, I want to play in a celebration bowl. And if that's the case, none of this really matters. But I like the contingency plan that is the FCS playoffs. I like the ability to fall back and play there. 
So because of that, I want FCS opponents that are respected. I want to knock off these guys. And also, one thing you'll see in my game is I would like to avoid money games, right? So I would always like to substitute that with another FCS matchup. And if you're able to do that, it's a competitive uh, schedule where you could go undefeated. A top-notch HBCU can go undefeated every single year with the template that I laid out. And it's not because it's easy. It's because you're that good. A really good HBCU team can beat a group of five school. A really good HBCU team can beat one of these upper-level FCS schools. We've seen it. They can do it. An incarnate word, a, a, a team like William, not William and Mary, because they just left, but a, a Campbell. We've seen it. Right, we just saw Jackson State knock off Campbell last year. I just seen Alcorn get close with Stephen F. Austin. I feel like these games are winnable. I want success, I want competition, I want respect, and I want the playoffs. Those four things are what I was searching for when it came to making my schedule template. And if I do say so myself, pat myself on the back, I think this is a pretty darn good schedule template. Let me know what you think. In the comments below, let me know what you think on Twitter, whether you're tweeting me or if you're going to DM me, right? Because I want to have a conversation. If you want to have a conversation, likely DM me. I'll be able to text back more. I'll, I'll, I'll give you more energy in the DMs than I will on the, on the timeline because I, there's, there's going to be a certain time when I don't want to tweet as much. But text messages, I can always come back to. So let me know. Going forward, we have another hot button topic. So I'm really enjoying this episode. Tamika Reed is in discussion about who's going to be the next Memphis women's basketball head coach. And if she gets that job, I want you to pay very close attention to how people discuss her and how people react to her departure. As we continue with Locked on HBCU, we'll explore this hypothetical. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is the number one, and it's the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. I love FanDuel because I am a big believer in second chances. As much as I've messed up in my life, Lord knows I need to be a believer. And that's why I'm thankful for FanDuel because FanDuel allows second chances. If I am a new customer, if I am new to FanDuel and I lose my first bet, no sweat. They have the first bet, no sweat, because it means even if you lose the first time, they're going to give you up to $1,000 back in free bets. The NCAA tournament is here tomorrow. You got the NBA going on. You still have the NFL draft upcoming. You can put money down on every single one of these things. And the only place that I would recommend to you, and I wouldn't steer you wrong, the only place I would recommend is FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And this is a very interesting theory. It requires a couple of things to happen, or really just one thing to happen, and we'll be able to see the reaction. Tamika Reed, the current Jackson State women's basketball coach, is in conversations that we know of for the Memphis position of the same position at Memphis. She says she's been contacted by some Power 5 schools as well. If she were to leave specifically to Memphis, I am really curious on what the reaction would be. This isn't a take. This is a question. This is a, an, an observation, 
right? I want to do more of that as we continue with the show, as I continue to grow into this role and grow with you. I want to have conversations where I'm just putting this out here. I'm having a conversation with you right now and I want to, I want you to talk back to me so I can respond. That's kind of how I look at this. I want to have fun subjects like creating your own template, things that don't have to be as time-based. I could have done that a month from now if I wanted to, but I chose to do it today because I thought it was very relevant with Morgan State having their schedule. These are the type of topics that I want to bring to you. So allow me to elaborate on my hypothetical and why I find this so fascinating, so intriguing. And I don't want it to happen, but a part of me does kind of feel like I want it to happen because there's gonna be a very telling response if Tamika Reed leaves. Because I'm no HBCU historian. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'm not a historian in this. So I know that coaches have left HBCUs for jobs before. I'm not, you know, ignorant of that fact. But what I will say is since I've been here and I've been able to witness how people would react to it, we've had three big time departures. And none of them leave conclusive results. For whatever reason, the data there is skewed, in my opinion. And it doesn't completely translate to what is happening here with Coach Reed. See, to me, Jackson State to Memphis, you might look at those schools differently, and I respect that. But Memphis is a mid-major. If I'm not wrong, the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, is a mid-major conference. I believe that would consider Tamika Reed to be a mid-major coach at Jackson State, which we know she is. And then she would just go on to still be a mid-major coach. So while you might not look at these schools, you might not look at these conferences the same, I feel like they belong in the same category as far as distinction on how you would talk about them. If Memphis won the SWAC, or excuse me, if Memphis won the NCAA tournament, you would say a mid-major. I believe that is the case. If it's not, correct me. It's not the foundational point of my argument, however. But I think because it's essentially could be looked at as a lateral move, maybe it isn't a clear jump like a clear superman type leap on what she's making as far as job goes i think it puts the reaction to the news in a very interesting situation because if she was going from here to kentucky everybody'd be like oh yeah we get it there'd be no fight no fight at all if she was going from here to a south carolina oh nobody oh we get it 100 percent. if she was going to any school in the acc oh we get it you're going from the SWAC to the ACC. We understand what type of jump this is for you professionally. See, that term professionally, let, let's zone in on that. That's why I think the reaction is going to be interesting. See, me, I don't care if a HBCU coach leaves. Personally, I care professionally. See, if Willie Simmons were to leave FAMU today, I'm not going to be upset at Willie Simmons, but I will be upset that Willie Simmons is gone because I understand what of a great, what great a coach he is. I understand what he brings to FAMU. I understand, I understand the value of him. Same thing with Tamika Reed. If she leaves Jackson State, I'm not personally going to be upset with her decision, but I will be professionally upset simply because I know Jackson State is going to have to change some things around. There's a big difference between being upset with somebody professionally and some, or I wouldn't even say upset, disappointed professionally and being disappointed personally. See, I think we tie in HBCU coaching with the cause. See, Andre Johnson, Andre Johnson. Oh my God, I just lost my outcast card. 
Andre Benjamin, Andre 3000, three stacks, Dre. Andre 3000 once said, it's every brother with dreads for the cause. Nah. And that's kind of how I look at it. When it comes to coaching, just because you're coaching at an HBCU does not mean you have to fight for a cause. However, Tamika Reed has done that. Tamika Reed has brought a lot of success to Jackson State. So what surrounds her is a great foundation. She has done her job. That's all we're asking for, right? She's done her job. And if she's done her job, she should be allowed to go on and do her job elsewhere. She's done what she needed to do. The three cases that I've looked at in my time are all football cases. And I don't feel like any of them are, are in really conclusive results on how people will react. You have Deion Sanders and his departure is what really sparked this. And I feel like it really put people on edge when it comes to HBCU coaches leaving. And that's not a credit to him. That's not anything of that nature. It's just a statement, just an observation. But his isn't really conclusive because of the way he left. That's the reason people are so emotional about the by his departure because of how he departed. You know, if, if Deion Sanders just would have left, whatever, he just would have left. You know, people would have had their opinions because they had their opinions when he came in, but there was so much other context around it. Inconclusive. Not enough. Too many personal feelings that were evoked on both sides, both sides of this. Then I look at Gabe, uh, Gabe G. Giordana. I hope I said that right, but I feel like I butchered it. He went from Albany State to Georgia Southern. He went D2 to D1. Nobody's going to knock you because, like I said, if Reed went to a South Carolina and a UConn, an ACC school, it's a clear jump. It's still D1, but you went from one of the mid-majors to being at a big-time school. Different situations. That's what he did. He jumped levels. And then lastly, Damon Wilson. But Damon Wilson went from Morgan or went from Bowie State to Morgan State. So he went from D2 to D1 already not going to knock you because we understand what you've done here. We understand that you've done enough to where you should be able to move up and you're making a clear vertical move, not lateral at all. But he's also unique because he just went to another HBCU. So you can't accuse him of abandoning, any, abandoning, abandoning anything, excuse me, because he just went from an HBCU to an HBCU. So now we'll see. It's okay to be selfish, but let's just admit it's selfish. I don't want her to leave either. I'm being selfish in that. I hope that Tamika Reed never leaves. I hope that Coach Bussey never leaves. I hope that Coach Jones at Texas Southern never leaves. I hope that Coach Simmons never leaves because I like these people being a part of the HBCU landscape. And I can admit it's a bit selfish. Now, if my self-serving narrative, my self-serving desires don't get met, I will not take that personally. I'll be interested to see if everybody else views it the same way. Now, going forward, we have something that's a big deal. It feels like it's history. It's not history, but it's that big of a deal that it almost feels like we're talking about something that is historic. I'm talking about Joe Bryant Jr., Norfolk State star player, just graduated. He's going to be a part of the Reese's All-Star Game, and he's going to be the only HBCU player who's in that game. Let's get into this as we talk about or as we continue Locked on HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I really do appreciate you from the bottom of my heart making us your first listen of the day, making it all the way to the end. 
all the way to segment two or all the way to segment three. Thank you for that. Joe Bryant is the only HBCU player who will be participating in the Reese's All-Star Game. And for some reason, even though he's not the first ever, this feels historic. This feels like a, a moment. This feels like one of the segments. I don't want to say the, the situation feels historic, but as I was crafting this segment, it felt very similar to how I would craft a segment about somebody creating history. We talk about the importance of a moment. We talk about a pattern being broken. We talk about the longevity of his career. All those things feel like somebody who is either a legend, somebody who just made history, somebody who did something that's extremely important, which is where Joe Bryant falls in this category. He's the only player this year to be here. He's the first North a Norfolk State player to be here since 2014. And the reason I think it's important that Joe Bryant is the only HBCU player here and it's important to highlight this and to highlight that he's the only one who's made it in the last couple of years recently, right? Is that there's a clear pattern. There is a reason that HBCU players are not in these games. You can call it bias. But I won't call it that because to me saying it's bias almost feels like it's a conspiracy. And I won't go as far because I haven't studied it. So I won't be able to tell you that. But there is a reason there haven't been HBCU players in this game. There's a reason there's not multiple HBCU players in this game this year. So in the same way I can say there is a reason this is happening, there is also a reason that Joe Bryant was able to break their mold. It's a reason that Joe Bryant was able to break through those patterns. And that should be highlighted. If I'm trying not to make this a, a race thing, but it's going to sound like a race example. I'll say podcast host just to keep it out there. If podcast hosts aren't typically allowed in certain spaces and then I make it to that space. It speaks volumes because it's rare. It's not regular. This is something you don't get to see all the time. I probably went above and beyond to make it here because people in my position don't typically do it. That's Joe Bryant. Replace podcast, podcast host with HBCU basketball player. There's not many HBCU basketball players who get to play in the Reese's All-Star game. Just hasn't been the case recently. So Joe Bryant two-time MEAC player of the year. He clearly has gone above and beyond to crack through the patterns, to crack through whatever resistance has been holding HBCU players out. And it doesn't mean it's going to be a trend. It doesn't mean that this is now going to be a frequent occurrence. What it means is that Joe Bryant was that freaking good. That's what it means. This isn't about patterns being broken and continue to be broken for years. This is about patterns being broken one year for one player and why he has shown himself to be that special. Now, you're looking at the National Association of Basketball Coaches. They voted him to be a first-team All-District 15 player. That same association is connected with this All-Star game. So it's very clear that they value him, and it's very clear why they value him. He was the MEAC Player of the Year this year. And you don't just get a hot year, right? It's not just, oh, he was good this year. We're going to put him in this game. If, if, if Joe Bryant was just good this year, he'd be in the HBCU All-Star game. That's just honest. And we're going to talk about that on Friday. We're going to talk about the HBCU All-Star game and why I think it's perfectly set up as far as where it is at the time that it is. 
I don't know if it's luck, but that's great. That's a little bit of insight into Friday's episode. Joe Bryant won MEAC Player of the Year this year. He won MEAC Player of the Year last year. He led Norfolk to two back-to-back MEAC men's basketball titles. And then he also led them to a men's MEAC basketball, men's MEAC basketball, but MEAC men's basketball final this year. Joe Bryant has been a force for the last three years. The National Association of Basketball Coaches has taken notice of that. The Reese's All-Star Game has taken notice of that. Norfolk State has taken notice of that. And people have taken notice of Norfolk State, which is something that Coach Jones spoke about, about how it reflects on the work of Bryant, but then also on the program. Both are true. Both benefit from this. So when you look at all of that, this should be highlighted. We should put a special importance on what both Joe Bryant and the Norfolk State Spartans have been able to do over these last couple of years because if both of those were not the case, if they weren't successful, if he wasn't hooping out of his mind for three years in a row, if I couldn't say all of those things, more than likely, we are not having an HBCU player in this Reese's All-Star Game yet again in 2023. But because I can say those things, Joe Bryan is the only HBCU player who will be playing this Friday in the afternoon on the Reese's All-Star Game. And I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every single day for your second listen. Make sure you're checking out Locked On College Basketball because March Madness is still here. You still need to keep up with it. And this is the number one podcast to be able to do that. Locked On College Basketball, wherever you get your podcast. And on tomorrow's episode, we have Coach Huggins coming in. We have Coach G, Gerald, my guy. He's coming in to break down some of his top 10 draft fits that he did for draft HBCU, some of our prospects coming out. He says these are the perfect landing spots for them. In the meantime, in between time, and that'll be tomorrow. Make sure you're checking that out. I'm excited. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.